Ahoy, and welcome into another exciting episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health. I am Dan Magler, your host, alongside Mariska, the coughing three-tooth Patterdale Terrier. So if you hear her coughing in the background, it's because she wants to give input into a very special and important topic that we have for today. On the Not Allowed to Die podcast, we explore your questions and the dilemmas that I'm facing in mental health treatment as I work with my clients and students. So one of the 13 to 15 people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis reached out and said, hey, how do I break up with my therapist? Like, I think it's time for me to move on. And so how does how does one extricate themselves with the relationship with their therapist? So let's start out by remembering that your therapist works for you. You do not work for your therapist. So before we answer the question of how, maybe we should ask the question of, should I? break up with my therapist? Should I fire my therapist? So in initially going to therapy, we have to ask ourselves the question. So before our first session, what do I want to get out of this? One of the first questions I will ask in an intake is if things are better six weeks from now, what will that look like? So what are we, one of the, if we want to be successful in any endeavor, the first step is to define what success looks like. I'll have so many clients who come to me and they'll say they tried therapy before, but they just didn't really feel like they were getting anything out of it. And I'll ask them, well, what did you want to get out of it? And then they look at me blankly. I think a lot of people go to therapy and they turn over the steering wheel to the therapist and they assume that that person is the expert and they should really know what the client needs. And again, it's not the way this works. You, it's your life. You're the one who's getting to decide what you want to be different. I have a, a student in my office the other day who has been avoiding therapy and because she has an eating disorder and was afraid that if she went to a therapist, the therapist would try to take that eating disorder away from her. And she's not ready for that yet. And so if you're working with the right therapist, that therapist is never going to be excited that you have an eating disorder, but they're not going to try to decide for you what your therapy goal should be. So it's, it's your life, it's your choices, and you're there to say, these are my goals, this is what I want to accomplish. A therapist will point out to you if they think, okay, well, you're saying you want to get this promotion at work, but you've got this alcoholism that's getting in the way, so maybe we need to address that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's your goals. Should you stop therapy if you go to the first session and you just aren't making a connection? Well, not necessarily the first, but if you're not making a connection by, I would say, a max of four sessions, if you haven't formed a sense of connection, what the research says about therapy is it doesn't matter what kind of theoretical orientation a therapist has. What matters is you can go into their office and for an hour or a week, you feel like you can say anything without being judged. You feel like you're safe there. Again, and I'll say to people, how does therapy work? Well, they found that by just sitting in that place where you feel like you could say anything without being judged, whether or not you actually say it, we're strengthening the connection between your cerebral cortex and your amygdala. So especially with when we're dealing with anxiety, a lot of times your brain is producing a chemical as if you're in danger and it's sending signals down to your heart and whatnot. And you want to be able to send that signal back from your brain down to your heart, say, no, I'm actually safe right now. Mariska feels very strongly about that, that she wants to have control when she's feeling anxious. And what that time in therapy can do is it can give you a greater sense of control. They've actually found that actually just listening 
to things like podcasts or books or stories being told also strengthens that connection. So they did research on whether violent television programs caused people to be more aggressive and violent. And they found that it didn't matter if it was violent programming or not, any television increased that if it was coming in the place of removing, people used to listen to the radio rather than television. And they used to listen to griots or storytellers and whatnot. And losing that, that ability to make the pictures in your mind and bring that in has reduced people's ability to self-soothe. So what you're doing right now and listening to a podcast, even if my voice is just putting you to sleep, that's actually probably helping with your emotional regulation. So again, we go to the therapy office and we should hopefully be able to feel like nothing is off limits and nothing is gonna to lead to us being judged. Often people have a bit of, I'm sorry, Mariska is a little bit gross today. Um, but anyway, often people have this progress that they make in therapy. And so let's say I have a client who's quit smoking and I'm happy for them and they know that I'm happy for them. But then three months later or something like that, they backslide and they start smoking again. I have experienced it over and over again where a client will want to avoid their therapist. So this is when a student who's talking with me, but they also have an outside therapist. So they're telling me that they don't want to go see their therapist because they're afraid they either have to lie to their therapist or their therapist is going to be disappointed. I got to tell you, typically your therapist isn't going to be disappointed in you about these decisions that you're making. They're just going to want to help you get through it. So we have, we do this thing again called projection. So Freud would say, so the way when film goes past a projector, it's backwards and upside down. And similarly, the defense mechanism projection works like this. If I'm feeling guilty about something, I will flip that over and backwards and project it onto you and decide that you're angry with me. So whether this is teachers, parents, therapists in general, like if you make a decision that's harmful to you, your therapist isn't going to be mad or upset at you about it. And if they are, that's not professional. <laughs> As therapists, we have to remain detached. So if you've started dating that person again, that your therapist is like, oh, I finally helped them get out of that relationship. Instead of being disappointed, and they're human beings, so they might've been rooting for you, but instead of being disappointed, they might wanna say, okay, what, what were you getting out of that? And let me help, let's help support you so that you can either date this person in a healthy way, or that we can figure out like what's going on. What do you, what do you need? What itch was not being scratched by the plan that we had to support you with that? So you should never ever be afraid to talk to your therapist about something because you fear that you're facing their judgment or you know their disappointment. If you feel like you don't want to tell your therapist something because you're afraid they're going to be sad, again, that's we're, we're messing up our roles there a little bit. Again, your therapist gets compensated. They get paid to work with you, even if you're not the one paying them. If they have a salary, uh, like I working at a school, the individual students don't pay me, but I'm getting paid to be there. So that's all the compensation I need. My client should not be worried about me in the session and how what they have to tell me is going to affect me. If I'm not in a place where I can healthily be there, then that's not that's not good. You, Most of the people listening to this are they're over 10 years old. So if you had an awesome teacher in elementary school, no matter how great that teacher was, you didn't typically have them for three, four, five years in a row. You got out of fourth grade and you went on to fifth grade. And sometimes even if your therapist was perfect and great for you to learn certain things from, you might need to move on to a different therapist at some point to learn new things, to learn get different perspectives. And therapists shouldn't be threatened or hurt by that. So if you're saying like there's something that, you know, like it, some people will say, well, they hear about somebody working with the same therapist for 13 years. And even I, my, my ears will perk up at that. And it's like, 
well, what are they, what are they clinically working on? As long as the client feels like they're getting something out of it, that's fine. But it's a question of, are we, are we really working on building and increasing independence? Or are we just using therapy as an emotional massage? And it's okay if that's what you want to use therapy for, but just be clear about every six weeks or so, I will ask my clients. So do you feel like, like, are we, are we both on the same page of what we're working on in here? Are you feeling like you're getting what you want out of these sessions? And I really want, the question isn't just for me to get affirmation and some stroking for my clients, but like, oh, yep, I love you. You're the best. I want to plant that seed in their mind. Of, are they thinking about why they're showing up each week? And it's not because I want to get rid of them or get them to graduate out of therapy. But if, if we're not doing what they want, if we're spending too much time on their career, as opposed to they want to be spending more time on their spiritual pursuits or things like that, it's easy to fall into a pattern and a rut and that's not healthy. So don't feel guilty if you've, if you need to learn new things that maybe your therapist is an expert at. If you find yourself dreading your therapy sessions and you're wanting to cancel them, the only reason why you shouldn't be thinking about a new therapist in that scenario is because you're heading into some, maybe some trauma work or some other work that you know that you need to do. And it's less about the therapist and it's more about the work. It's okay though, to say that to your therapist and to say, you know what, I didn't even want to come in today. Maybe that means we're, we're pushing too quickly or for, we're spending too much time on an area that's really hard to talk about. Maybe we need to work a little bit in that session of saying, okay, if this is going to be a 45 minute session, we're only going to spend 10 minutes on the really hard work that's scary to do. And we're going to do some stuff to open up and make it feel comfortable. And we're going to do some stuff to close up. One of my uh, former students and has been her therapist is he sounds great and he's been working with her but he kind of keeps challenging her of saying like hey when are we going to get into some of the stuff that's really been bugging you and as we were talking last weekend she said you know i'm afraid if i open that door with him then the session's going to end and i'm going to be stuck thinking about those things for the whole next week and, and i'm not going to be able to shut that down i said well that's that's the working that you need to do with him you need to talk about that and the two of you maybe need to practice how to open and how to close so that you don't feel intimidated and you don't feel like he's getting frustrated with you that you guys are working together, but you're unwilling to, to go deeper into the trust. My sister had a therapist who she fired after the first session because <laughs> when he took off his glasses to clean them, he licked them and she was like, oh, that's super gross. I can never go back there. I guess what I would ask is if you have a therapist and you're not enjoying any aspect of the relationship before you fire them, you try to talk to them about it because your therapist's office should be your laboratory where you can safely work through conflict, where you know that that person, that therapist is not going to freak out on you and start yelling and throwing things and doing any of the toxic reactions that you may have encountered with other people in your life. Hopefully that therapist will be able to receive that feedback and say, oh, okay, maybe you can try it in this different way. And after you've given that feedback, if the therapist can't do it, or it just doesn't seem to be changing, then fine, go ahead and switch therapists. And hopefully your therapist will even give you a referral to someone that, oh, based on what you're saying you need, you know, that my colleague Joni might be a perfect fit or whatnot and give you that information. So step one, identify what's uncomfortable, share it with the therapist. And if that therapist is professional, they're going to receive that well, handle it well, and that's going to hopefully help you to be more assertive going forward. So if you, it's also totally okay while you're with your therapist in, in that therapist relationship 
to start shopping around. I like to use the Psychology Today uh, Therapist Finder and start your search by zip code and by insurance and see if there's anybody that has a profile um, that you might be interested in. And it's okay to make an appointment with that person before you officially close with your therapist. If you're saying, I don't want to spend two months where I'm between therapists, where I'm shopping and finding people. I do think it can be really exhausting to break things in with a new therapist, to start sharing all of those things. So some people will stay in a therapeutic relationship longer than they should because they just don't want to start over. They just don't want to go through all of that history. So what I would suggest is it's totally okay if you're starting with a new therapist to write it out. Just have all those things that you, and I mean, nothing could be more beneficial to me as a therapist if somebody came in and said, hey, here's kind of my story. Here's the timeline of me. These are the major events of my life, good and bad. This is when, you know, age six, I, start, I found soccer and it was amazing. You know, age nine, my best friend Chloe moved away and, or my dog died. And these, the things that are anything that's still affecting you today for Mariska her getting her cough kind of is affecting her even at this very day. So anything that's still affecting you would be a great thing to write out and to share. And I think that would be a healthy exercise also for you to kind of write your story out and, and see what, what do you feel like the theme? There's this thing called narrative therapy where we're kind of viewing our life as a story. And there are therapists that that's their entire framework that they're coming at things with. How are we, you are the hero of your story. And what story are we telling ourselves about who you are? What character are you? Are you the best friend character? Are you the villain? What do we have to do to change it so you get to be the hero of your own story? So sometimes looking back at this, and then you don't have to just share it all session after session. You can say, or and if there are things that are too sensitive to talk about, you can say, okay, seventh grade, black box issue here that we will get into eventually if I like you after six sessions or 12 sessions or two years. So you can just let them know that there are things that you're not ready to talk about yet. Or you can say, hey, sexual orientation stuff is is not on the table yet. That's not something I'm willing to talk about. So let's, let's talk, but you, you're going to have to earn that trust a little bit before I'm able to go there. So you can, I can't tell you how many of my, the vat, I wish that clients would always get to a place where we were terminating therapy because they had met all their therapeutic goals and we just totally run out of stuff to talk about. That would be amazing if that's how therapy typically ended. But the way therapy typically ends for me is people just stop making appointments. We'll move from a place where we are every week to every other week. And then something like a vacation or whatnot will happen. And then they miss their every other week. And now it's been a month and we haven't talked. And then they just don't reach out to me to schedule another session. If you do that with your therapist, your therapist isn't going to cry because they were ghosted. It's okay. And if you want to go back to them three months later, you can say, hey, I got really busy. Or more, hopefully more honestly, you can say, you know what? I, I wanted to try working with someone else. I heard about this great therapist from my coworker and I wanted to try it. And I didn't really like them. So I'm coming back to you they're not going to shut the door in your face and say, nope, you crossed me. You, you cheated on me and you told your secrets to somebody else. You can never come back here. So if you are a truly conflict avoidant person, it doesn't make you a terrible person if you just stop scheduling appointments. But it would be the healthiest thing for you if you're thinking about terminating with your therapist to explain, this is what I want to get out of therapy. This is what I don't feel like we're doing. Seeing if that therapist that you're currently working with can change their dynamic. I have succeeded to, there's, I've done therapy sessions when walking outside with clients because that was healthier for them. 
I did an entire therapy session with one of my clients where I was facing away from her and facing the wall because she couldn't tolerate being looked at when she was sharing some really sensitive information. So your therapist should be willing to try something that's out of their comfort zone if that's what you need. And if they're not willing to do that, as long as it's not out of their competency, we don't want our therapist, I, I, I will refer onto other people if, if I feel like someone really needs an eating disorders expert or they really need something that they really want a hypnotherapist, I don't know how to do hypnotherapy. I don't know how to do EMDR. So I'm not gonna pretend that I do. I also, if I have to work with children who are under the age of 11, that's really not my wheelhouse. So I have done it occasionally, but I will say to the parents beforehand, this is not my strength area. And I feel a little bit uncomfortable taking your child on. I will do it at your request, but you have to understand that this is not my general modality of working with younger kids because the kind of work I do isn't designed for them. So again, if you're finding that you're not having the relationship, you're finding that you're dreading going to your therapist, there's something wrong there. Please try to bring it up with your therapist. If you've done that and they are not changing or don't seem capable of changing, find a new one. Give it a shot. Hopefully, that's you, you. there's so many therapists out there and there's so many different types of modalities. So try something until, like, just like you wouldn't decide that there was something wrong with your feet if you went to the shoe store and the first two pair you tried on didn't fit you. There, there's, there is a therapist that's a right fit for you in helping you to achieve your goals, your therapeutic goals. Do not decide to just give over access and let the therapist drive. It's your session, you are paying for it. They work for you. If you were working with a masseuse and they were bruising you every time they massaged you, I hope you would tell them, oh, could you go a little lighter? Could you move over to the shoulders? I want that work done. If that's something that's hard for you to do, then getting progress and getting a quality experience from that masseuse or from your therapist is gonna be more challenging. But letting a therapist know, this is what I wanna work on. So envision what success would look like, communicate that vision with your therapist, and hopefully you can find something good. If your therapist is truly sad and they're they're arguing with you that you should not, don't fire me, don't break up with me, they have a problem with their professionalism. And it's a greater indicator than ever that you need to move on to somebody else because your therapist should be happy for you if you're moving, as long as they don't feel like the reason you're changing is because you've gotten into some important work and you're just wanting to avoid the work. But if they, are, if they know that you're going to another therapist that might be helping you, they should be happy for you. So don't feel any hesitation to, to break up with them. So if you have more questions about therapy and how to deal with them or about anything under the sun, email me at daniel.magler at live.com. If you want to just give Maris Mariska some well wishes and to get rid of her cough, um, those are welcome as well. So until we speak again, do the best you can with what you have and the time you have and the place you are. And remember, you can do whatever it takes. You're just not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. 
We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering in silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.